You're listening to the Banner Church Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. For more information, visit us online at thebannerchurch.com. Hey, uh, I, I'm really excited this morning because we get to welcome two of our family here. And honestly, uh, I could probably take up the whole message portion uh, just sharing what an honor it is to, to know this couple. And um, if you guys don't know, the, the harvest that's being reaped here is because of the hard ground that was tilled uh, by this really incredible couple. And I know that God is currently honoring them in this new season, but we just I, I just never want to get tired as a church of honoring them. And you might just meet them today for the very first time, but I want to encourage you to join in a culture of honor and, and just continually thanking them. Um, they really established a culture of prayer. Um, a heart of community, a desire for God to move, and really a belief for miracles. And uh, they were incredibly good to my wife and I when we first came. And I feel like we became very spiritually healthy because of them. I think really saved ministry for us in a lot of ways because we were really wrestling through a lot of things. And as we came under their leadership, I've I've never been under someone's leadership and felt so free uh, released in the gifting. And I think that comes from having a heart first and foremost for the kingdom. And now they're doing some of the coolest things all the way across the world in our sister church. So would you guys uh, do me the awesome honor and privilege of welcome Pastors Dana and Bridget this morning. Thank you so much. Welcome uh, this morning. Wow, we feel so at home when we walk through the door. I can't begin to tell you the uh, the rush of emotions that uh, filled our heart and to see some of the new faces here this morning. Uh, honestly, it's what we envisioned and when uh, Pastor Josh and Katie partnered with us in that transition from another part of the city to come here. And not just the beauty of the building, but really what I love is the beauty of the hearts of the people that are sitting here this morning. Thank you so much um, for supporting us. Uh, I remember the day very clearly uh, when we announced um, what we felt God leading us to do to go to Bangkok and uh, really become like a sister church there. And I remember asking you to do something that we've done for many, many years in ministry and sending people around the world. And we ask you to send us. And I'll never forget that, The even though it was kind of a bittersweet So many of you came up and said, Pastor, we send you in the name of the Lord, and you have supported us, you have prayed for us, and I can say honestly here this morning, we have felt that in such a a remarkable way. Um, This morning, we just arrived this last Monday. It's been a joy to see our sons and spend time with them, and and, um, we have some services in this coming uh, weeks that we're here before we go back. But our church in Bangkok, they wanted me to to especially to greet you this morning and say thank you on behalf of the entire church there because they understand and they realize what a significant part that you have been in sending us there, and they want me to say thank you to you. And so this morning, we'll be sharing some of the stories, some of the miracles. Honestly, this morning, there would not be enough time to... Uh, share all of the the personal stories uh, that have taken place there, but we want to thank each one of you for your support and your prayers this morning. I'm going to have Bridget just share a moment as well and to greet you. Yeah, we want to say thank you. You guys are some of our greatest supporters uh, as we've been launched into Bangkok, Thailand, and I just want to say thank you so much for everything that you guys have done. We would not be able to be able to do what we're doing there without your support 
And everything that's happening, everything we share about today, it's part of your investment and what you've done. So it's an extension of you. You might not ever be able to go to Bangkok, Thailand, but you have already been there by your support and your love and your prayers. And so I just want to say thank you to you. It's not even possible for us to make it there without you. So I am so grateful. And there's some, some wonderful faces here. I've got family here. My niece is here, my mom and dad. My friend from high school, she used to be my driver. She used to drive me around in this horrible little car. But uh, we used to make it. And I think there was even a string that we had to tie to close the car door or whatever. But, um, yeah, so I am so excited to see so many of your faces. I want to have Jamin put a picture up of when we left for Thailand, um, I want to show you what we took with us. You'll see our luggage there. Now, see that really top little blue bag on the very top? That's Dana's. And then all that other luggage was mine. And uh, no, I'm just joking, but uh, I'm exaggerating just a little bit. But yeah, we went with 14 bags and um, brought our clothes and brought some things and uh, to share with the people and for us to live there, but I want to say that since uh, from October 4th when we launched there until now, we've seen 14 guests, we've had four interns, we've had four missions trips, we had one daughter that came, which is Monica right there. I don't know if you guys know Monica, but she is our assistant youth director for the state of Arizona, but she lived with us from January to December. Or actually, January until May, and um, she is like a daughter to us, so it's really good to see her today. Um, we've had two missions trips to Hatya and to Pak Chong. Uh, we've visited four countries. We've gone to Philippines twice for some ministry there. We've gone to Kolkata, and then we did a pastor's ministry in Myanmar, and so it was just amazing what God has been doing. We've seen God um, develop two Chi Alphas at this point. We just launched our second Chi Alpha this last, this last week. And we're going to talk more about that. And actually, uh, where's Nicole? Wave your hand, Nicole. Oh, there you are, right in the front. Um, <laughs> Nicole brought a team from NAU this last May, and we had such a phenomenal time together. And um, you guys need to hear her stories, too. But anyhow, we were together in Cottonwood when she was 12 years old, and now she is a grown woman, and she is a pastor for Chi Alpha in a, in a U campus. But one of the greatest things is after our time together in, in Bangkok, and it's been driving her heart for quite a while, she is now going to be launching to Bangkok, Thailand, and helping us with our Chi Alpha there. So, yeah. So be praying for her. And then uh, we have... Actually, we've done eight months of prayer walking in the red light district um, with many of our teams coming in and through. Really felt like God had said to take a year to just pray. And we've seen God do so many miracles. We're going to share about that today. And then we have a refugee ministry, compassion ministry that God is doing so much uh, within. And then 42 nationalities. Many people have asked me if I know any Thai words and if I'm fluent in Thai at this point. And the answer is no. I, uh, Thai is a very difficult language, but uh, one of the things that I've, I've learned how to turn left, turn right, go straight. So, so um, let me make sure that I'm saying it right. Leo Sai, Leo Kwa, Yutini means stop, Trong uh, Pai means go, 
Sawatika means hello, right? Kapkunka, uh, thank you. So these are many of the words that I say all the time to people. Uh, no, but Bangkok is such an international city, so we're able to speak English there, but we are getting ready to learn the language as well, so we're excited about that. So thank you so much for sending us and allowing us to do the things that we do and see what God is doing. Of course, the church there in Bangkok, they, they sent us back here this, this last month, this month, so that we can greet you and also say thank you for sending us. So thank you for everything that you guys have done and invested. So we appreciate it. Amen. Praise the Lord. If you would turn to Mark chapter 12 in verse 30, it's a familiar passage for so many of us, but yet it's, it's the crux of not only who we are as a church, but it's really the crux of the nature and the heart of God. I think one of the most profound verses in the Bible is that God is love. In our mission statement of love, disciples, send, Bridget and I were very conscious of that statement when we arrived, and we, we embraced it uh, even there to introduce um, this culture of love there um, in uh, the city. In Mark chapter 12, 30, it says, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and all your strength. And the second, this great commandment that the Lord gives us is to love your neighbor as yourself. And no other commandment is greater than these. And we have learned that because there's so many first-generation believers in this church, and especially some of the new believers um, in our church have come to faith just in this last 10 months since we've been there, we've realized that I thought I always had just such a spirit of mercy, but there, because of being first-generation Christians, many of them know nothing. I mean, they're completely unfamiliar with the Scripture. And so there's all kinds of stuff going on in their life. And one thing that I've learned there is that we just love them to life. It's, it's such a moment. We love them to life. And we have found that to be the most powerful force uh, in our ministry there, that we love them unconditionally. We love them to life. And we let the power of the Holy Spirit grow them, sanctify them, and I, it just kind of takes the pressure off. But in the church, it's, it, we have over 40 nationalities represented, but the universal language in our church is love. <laughs> and we make a lot of cultural mistakes because there's people from so many different countries. Uh, in Thailand, you, you really, it's very unacceptable to touch somebody's head. So when I'm in the altar, and if I don't know that they're Thai or not, I'm so careful. I don't know if I should touch their head and pray for them or how to do it. But they know there that in the culture of love uh, that they've experienced, it really is the catalyst of, of the ministry. And this is a reminder for us here at Banner here today, this mission statement of Love Disciples Send. And there's one particular people group in the church that we have just fallen in love with. It's many of the asylum seekers and refugees who have fled countries like Pakistan and Iran because of the severe persecution. Many of them have lost family members that have been uh, killed because of their faith in Christ, and they have fled to Bangkok for safety. They attend the church. Many have overstayed their visas. They're illegally, but they have nowhere to go. In this particular picture, Bridget's going to explain, she took um, our women's group there to do ministry, and she's going to share a little bit about this area. But to me, this is one of the, the pictures and the thoughts and the ministries that we do where there's so much love that is poured out. Yeah, so in this picture, you can see we're in this little room. It's about 10 feet long and maybe about 8 feet wide. 
and took a group of ladies. We have a ministry to the refugees there in Bangkok, and many of them from Pakistan. And so you'll see in the very back, we have a lady by the name of Josephine, who with her family has come to and fled to Bangkok, Thailand. So she was sharing with us, our ladies, as we came in to bless her and pray over her home and, and bring her some food and different items. Uh, she was sharing with us that literally because of their faith, that their village was burned down. 68 homes was burned down in her village. And her niece and her um, brother were burned to death in a church. And I had had in, in this picture on the bottom left, you can see two of the girls. Those are two of my interns that came from Iowa to stay with me and to just learn and grow about Bangkok. And I told them, I said, I want you to be here. I want you to hear this story. I want you to hear what Josephine and Chashap and David and her, their husband, William, her husband, William, have gone through just to make it to Bangkok, just to come and have religious freedom. Because we don't know in the States how difficult it is to be able to just be free and to be able to pray and to read the word. And because they were reading the word and teaching the word there in Pakistan, literally their house was burned down to the ground. And they ran with whatever they had and fled to uh, Bangkok. So we have a ministry there in Bangkok that are just specifically for the refugees where we do um, visitation there and, and find their homes. They live scattered throughout the area because there's constant raids um, from the government that will turn them in because they've overstayed their visa. Actually, Josephine's husband is currently in the detainment center there. And honestly, Dana and I have done a lot of ministry in the prisons and uh, throughout the years and in, in Mexico and different locations. But I don't think that I have ever felt um, more messed up than going to the detainment center in Bangkok, Thailand, because it was worse than any prison I've ever been to. We went to go visit her husband, William, and they're not allowed to go in there because they're at risk to be taken into the detainment center. He's been there six years. There's over 130 Pakistani men that are in one cell. So when he goes into a cell at night, they literally sleep sitting up and shoulder to shoulder and back to back. He believes that God has put him there for this time to be like a Paul. And so when we go to visit him, he shares what God is speaking to him, and he actually encourages us. But when I walked into this facility, and I'm, I'm sitting there, and they're patting you down, and, and it's just, it's very intimidating when you walk in the doors there. They literally have a, a chain link fence that goes across, and about 100 people are allowed to come in at one time. And then four feet from the chain link fence is another chain link fence. And so you go and you stand there, about 100 of us, and then they bring in the prisoners, and they all have to wear an orange shirt, and so they have to find where you're at. And they're all in different dialects and different languages. And you're shouting back and forth, and you're pushing people. Like, I, I had this little Thai lady that was pushing me, and I was pushing her, and we were trying to talk to our people. But what really just messed me up is I was looking at William, and the guy beside him was just shaking and crying and just begging to get out of there. And I saw one of the ladies hand her baby to this prison guard and take the, the baby over this four-foot fence 
and give it to the father. And the baby was just screaming and crying. And she doesn't even know who her father is. And then they return the baby. And I'm just sitting there thinking, we do not know what we have here in the United States. We don't know the freedom and the liberty that we have to just be able to praise and worship the Lord and just be able to worship God and share the love of Jesus. We have such an incredible honor. But if you would pray for especially William there in the detainment center, he really believes that he is an Apostle Paul. And you know, whenever I hear him speak and the encouragement, he's always praying for those men in the cell. I believe God will release him and uh, he'll be back with his family. But it is amazing to see what God is doing. And so that is just a little bit, tidbit of what we do with the refugees there. Amen. In our next slide, we um, see a family here that um, are just incredible people. When we first arrived on that first Sunday, I met this man. He's from Iran, and him and his wife were devout Muslims uh, in Tehran. And uh, he actually is our Persian pastor. Uh, his wife, Sara, and their little girl's name is Mattis. We call her the Persian princess of, uh, of the church, and she truly is. And uh, I asked, we took uh, Meiji to lunch, and I wanted to hear his story because I have found out since I've been in Bangkok that the Iranian church now is the fastest growing church in the world. And you can look this up. Uh, even on Facebook, they have some different articles about this. As Iranians are fleeing their country, looking for something different and for hope. It's literally the fastest growing uh, church in the world. And to keep up with the church growth, they need to have at least 25,000 more Iranian pastors to be trained to shepherd the people by 2025, and they're not, they're not even close to that. The church is outgrowing the, even the potential for leaders in this people group. And so he began to share his story and how he was a police officer that worked at the border checkpoints in Iran, and uh, he said somebody just drove through it and busted it through it. He jumped in his police car, and there was a chase and a shootout, and he ended up killing this drug runner, and the trunk was full of drugs and everything. And from that experience, when the drug cartel in this area, who was very powerful, found out, they said they're going to kill him and his family. And the police department that he worked with said, we've got to relocate you to another city uh, for your protection. They did that, but he said the drug cartel still found me and almost killed me. They broke my leg. And then it was just a miracle that he escaped. And so they said, you're going to have to leave the country. And so he just got his few belongings together, his wife and his daughter. And he literally fled to Bangkok uh, for safety and for asylum. He's a devout Muslim. His wife wears the hijab over her head. I mean, just very devout Muslims. They've grown up in this. And he comes to Bangkok. And in the first six months, he goes, I spent my savings we were living in this one little room apartment with no air conditioning, just barely surviving. And he said, Pastor Dana, I was fasting and praying to Allah every day, crying out to Allah to do a miracle for me and my family. I applied for jobs, and I just thought uh, he was praying to Allah, give me a job so I can support my family. And no doors were opening for him. And he said, at the end of six months, I was so distraught, and I was angry at Allah, thinking that you're supposed to be the greatest God in the world, but yet you're not meeting my need. And shortly thereafter, a Persian friend of his had invited him to, a, uh, he said, a Christian meeting. And he said, why would I want to go to that? I'm a devout Muslim. And, and he said, well, let them pray for you. What do you have to lose? And he goes, I had no idea my friend um, was secretly was a believer. And he took a huge risk telling me that he was a believer in Christ. 
And he goes, so I thought, well, I'll go to the meeting and I'll just make fun of these Christians. And he said, I went to the meeting and, and, and I heard the word of God for the very first time. And something began to stir in my heart. He goes, I did not, you know, expect to feel like this. And it was just the power and the presence of God. And so they called him up and they said, you know, can we just pray for something for you? You know, they didn't uh, try to, you know, convert him or anything. He said, yes, I need a job so I can support my family. I've been here six months and we're struggling. So they prayed that he would get a job. And the next morning, six o'clock in the morning, he said, I got a phone call early. I was still asleep. And this man called me and offered me a job. <laughs> and this was literally like eight hours later that this phone call comes. And he said, maybe the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob is truly real. And he kept going back to the meetings. It was incredible testimony. And they prayed for other needs in his life. And he said, I saw a series of miracles, and I knew that this is the God that I need to serve. And his entire family came to Christ through those miracles. We've read these stories about many of the Iranians having dreams where Jesus is revealing himself. And Bridget and I have met many of them in the church, so we were pleasantly surprised when we came to the church and there was this group of Persian people. And when they become followers of Christ, all I can say is they're all in because they give up everything. When you give up everything, family, friends, relationships, belongings, they can't go back to Iran. Their lives would be at risk. They are all in when they come to Christ. And I was so touched, and I asked him, or we asked his wife, Sars, we're sitting there eating lunch, could you ever just go back just to visit a family there? And she just started crying, and she says, you know, um, and before she could speak, her daughter answered the question, what would happen if you went back? And she just goes, death. <laughs> and we were like, what? And Sars said, you know, we can't go back. And she's just crying. She says, but we have Jesus. So Bridget and I went back to our apartment, and I'm just looking at Bridget, and I'm like, I don't know how to process this. And he, in January, he started translating our Sunday morning service into Farsi. He sits in the back, and we have headsets, and some of our Persians don't speak English very well. So our service is being translated by him in Farsi, and then they have a Persian service on Sunday afternoon that's all in Farsi. And it's wonderful to see the miracles that God is doing in the Persian church, and we thank God for it. And they're very proud of the fact that before Islam came in the 700s in that area of Turkey and Iran, that this was a very rich spiritually area, the Persian Empire. And he said, Pastor Dane, it was the Persians in the early centuries that took the, the gospel for the first time to the country of China. And I said, I had no idea. And there's just such a rich history, and God is bringing that back, and these people are so hungry. It's the fastest-growing church in the world, and we're so thankful to have this group of people uh, within the church, and it's, it's really been just quite incredible. And I, when we go into the lobby of our church, you've got to understand, it's like over 40 nationalities, so we look over in one part of the lobby in the Persian group. They're loud, they're arguing, they're very passionate, then they're kissing each other on the cheek, you know, they're just passionate about everything, and I, it's just wonderful, and then we got this Filipino group that stay inside the church after the service, they don't even go into the lobby, and with the Filipinos, it's just one big party, I mean, they just, they're always laughing and joking, I mean, it's just so fun, and most of our worship teams are filled with these talented Filipinos, 
and then we have our Indians from East India. They're having these intellectual conversations, you know, and it's just really, truly amazing to see kind of a picture of heaven, and they come together, and as we worship together, it's the love of God that's poured out in the service that brings their hearts together in unity, and we have purpose, and it's the clearest picture of heaven that I think I've ever seen, and we feel so incredibly honored to lead and to shepherd in this realm, and Bridget and I are so grateful, but making disciples is is really the the next part of our mission statement, we're familiar with this in Matthew 28. Just Jesus gives us this clear mandate. This is not an option for the church, by the way. This is a mandate of the mission Jesus gave us, the Great Commission, to go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And in this picture, I'm saying this was just a few weeks ago. We've been getting an influx of, of South Africans come to the church that they're teaching English in Bangkok. And we've seen many new converts among the South Africans that are English teachers there. And this young uh, lady here is being baptized for the first time. This is in the pool where our apartment is. And this was just a few weeks ago that we uh, baptized this young South African lady. And we're so excited about what God is doing in, in that people group as well that have been coming to the church. In that same pool, our first convert from uh, Stanford University where we uh, have Chi Alpha, his name is Peter. He's from Shanghai, China. We baptized him in that same spot. <laughs> he, was, he was our first uh, convert um, at the campus. And it was really exciting to see that happen. Praise God. Bridget's just going to share about one more friend is what we call our club on the campus um, at Chi Alpha. And uh, we, Bridget's going to share, it just kind of started in our apartment on Wednesday night. Yeah, so we came in October. You guys launched us October 4th. And about a week later, we had been praying and believing, and you saw a lot of our material before we left, that our heart was to reach the university campus, that we believe it's one of the most strategic mission fields in the world because you have people, some of your top-notch people in the entire world that are being sent uh, to these universities to learn and to grow and to go back into their countries and to lead their countries. And so uh, we thought that Ramkampeng University would be our first university that we would get started. It has over 500,000 students that attend there. It's one of the largest universities in the world. And so you can imagine, it's like a city within a city. But when we looked at the demographic of our church, we noticed that we had 10 students from Stanford University. Stanford with an M, like in Mary, not Stanford. Uh, and we, we started looking at our congregation and realizing that we didn't have Ramkampeng University students there. We have Stanford students there. And we had this group of Namibians that were starting to come to the church and um, they needed something. They, they were lost. They were feeling like they didn't have a home. They didn't have a mom and dad. They're all away from their country, and they're alone. And so we thought, you know, we are going to start with what God has given us. So this university has over 100 uh, nationalities represented. It all speaks English. It has about 20,000 students, so it's a lot smaller than the other universities. But we thought this is the target that we're going to do. So we invited them into our house um, probably within about two weeks of us being there. And we would have a family night every Wednesday night. We would start worshiping. We would sing together. We would give them um, some biblical instruction and start just ministering to them. They're all English speakers. 
English is their second language. But they come to our, our house, and it started growing. And it started growing. And so we went from 10 students to about 15 students. And then about a month later, we have about 20 students. And then it went to 25. Then it went to 30, 35 students. And we thought, we can't keep housing this in our house. We were feeding them every week. And I'm not normally a cook, but uh, I put it all out there. trying to. And you know what? The funniest thing is when you have um, hungry college students, they don't care if you're a good cook or not. So uh, I did, I, they thought I was great. Um, and I introduced them to Mexican food for the first time. Yes. Yes. Um, and they thought I'm the best Mexican cook in all of Bangkok. And I probably am. <laughs> um, so we actually did a Nacho Libre party where they saw the movie for the first time. And we made, instead of gingerbread, this was Christmas time. Instead of gingerbread cookies, we made Nacho Libre gingerbread, you know. Just basically the same thing that we just decorate it different. Um, so we had such a fun time with them. Well, anyhow, I started inviting this one Persian lady. Her name is Layla. She's actually right in the middle with the little hair bun there. Um, and I started meeting her. She's one of the ones. She's a Persian. She's from Iran. And she um, walked in the doors of our church one day. And she said, I had a dream. And a lot of our Iranians are having these dreams of Jesus. And she said, I was a devout Muslim and comes from a very wealthy home. Um, but she has come to Thailand, and she is a professor there in Thailand. And she felt like the Lord was telling her that she, in this dream that she needed to go to the church. She went that Sunday, and she got saved. And she digests the Bible to, like, the nth degree. It's amazing. Amen. Yeah, so she is just uh, really hungry for the word of God. She has literally uh, walked away from the Muslim faith, and she is fully embedded in Christianity, and she's learning and growing in the Lord. But she came to our house and invited her. I wanted her to meet some of the students because she's a professor. While she was sitting there, she goes, did you know that I'm a professor at Stanford University? And I said, no, I didn't, I didn't realize that she was a professor there at the university and she goes, I want to be their sponsor of this group so that they can be here on the campus and meet there at the campus. So through this uh, lady by the name of Layla, she has established our group. So starting in January of 2019, we have a Chi Alpha group that meets every Wednesday night at the university. They have small groups that they're meeting with. And um, I want to say, too, that we thought that Ram Kamping, because we did have some missionaries that were starting some English groups there, and we didn't want to compete with that, plus we didn't have students there. But just about a month ago, we got a call from a student group on campus at the Ram Kamping University, about 20 students, ends up being a Christian club, and they said, we invite ICA Church to come and to start a Chi Alpha group here, we want you guys to come. And so our uh, Thai pastors have just started, actually, this last Wednesday, our first Chi Alpha group there on the Ron Kumping University. Yeah. The next um, slide, this, Nicole was a part of this next uh, slide uh, of this picture of the first uh, Chi Alpha retreat with them. So we joined with NAU, and Nicole was there, and we had our first uh, retreat, help retreat with different students, and it, it was really powerful. And what I'm realizing more than ever um, and in the church, and we can be reminded of this, that the miracle is in the house. 
that we have, God has brought us leaders and strategic people to open doors of ministry. And these are people who have not been believers that long. And as I, every Sunday, as I walk into the church and as I share, and I realize that as I cry out to God for the different needs of the church, the Lord continuously reminds me that the miracles are in this house. And I'll bring them to you. And that's what really what's happened uh, there. And um, Chandler and Kelly as well, when they arrived, I can't begin to tell you. They, I mean, you, if you know Chandler and Kelly, they're just prepared. <laughs> they just they prepare precisely for everything that they do. They hit the ground running. They th- I, I can't believe how they adjusted. I mean, they're riding around the city on motorcycle taxis. I mean, they're just like rocking it there. <laughs> And last week, after the, the, the break at Stanford, uh, they're leading the Chi Alpha at Stanford University group on Wednesday night now. And they are just doing phenomenal. Even in their jobs teaching English, God is using them um, in such a powerful way. We are so incredibly proud of them. Thank you for sending Chandler Kelly to us. And they've committed a year of their life uh, to serve with us on the field there. And we're just so grateful. God's going to bless this church for being a sending church. And just being free with your people, and that's really our heart in, in ministry. And so it's really been incredible to have them with us. And then Olgi just arrived last Friday. We felt bad. We left two days after she came, and um, she started work this last week. She's working at Bangkok International Christian School teaching kindergarten. And so she's just embracing it, and she's going to live with us again. And she lived with us six years here, and so she's back in the home, and and we're just so thrilled uh, to have her um, as well. In the final part of our mission um, statement, as you know, of send in Matthew 10, 7 and 8, Jesus sent out the 12 apostles with these instructions. And go announce to them that the kingdom of heaven is near. It's an important concept that people understand the kingdom of heaven is near. And he said, I want you to heal the sick, raise the dead, cure those with leprosy, and cast out demons, and give as freely as you have received. And in the sending part, this is one of the most exciting parts of ministry, is the Lord opens specific doors for us, and we send in the, the strategic people and leaders to do ministry. And on our leadership team there, there was a Filipino, and in the next slide it shows a, a, me with a, a couple here, and this was just in the Manila, Philippines, about three weeks ago, God called him to go back to Manila where him and his wife grew up and they were married there. He's been in Bangkok 11 years and he came to us. He said, Pastor Dana, and it was the same concept, would you send me back to Manila and to pastor there um, in the city? And of course, Bridget and I are like, well, we don't want to lose you. And you always say that, you know, and sometimes I want to switch the mission statement at those moments and say, love, disciple, keep. You know, I, I just, I, I'm going to be honest with you, but I'm realizing, you know, it's like, yes, we'll bless you. And so I went there with him and his wife, and they're getting settled, and I was just privileged to be able to do the installation service at the church where he grew up and got married, and they asked him to come back and to lead the church. And this is a part of the sending in, and this is what's amazing, and I did not know this. He gets up to preach the message of that Sunday morning. He goes, I'm beginning my very first series you know, at International Christian Service is the name of the church. And he said, my first series is going to be Love, Disciple, Send. 
And his wife kind of nudges me. She said, Pastor Dana, I hope it's okay that we stole your mission statement. I said, no, you didn't steal it. This is who we are. This is our DNA. And this is their mission statement in Manila, Love Disciples 10. And he's in the middle of the series right now <laughs> doing this. And so we're just so thrilled. We've been able to see the reproduction of the kingdom even outside of Bangkok. And it's just really been absolutely uh, thrilling uh, to experience that. And we're just going to share just for the next uh, few moments about how we have sent prayer teams and to do prayer walks. Um, Pastor Josh and Katie were part of one of those prayer walks in an area that we went into. In fact, I think in this picture, this next picture, you'll see Pastor Josh in the background there on the right. And they were yeah. with us <laughs> that evening as we were doing a prayer walk. Amen. Yeah, that was um, with that shave hair look thing that you had going on right then. Um, we're really glad you grew your hair back. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> um, I, I can tease them. I can tease them. It's like a sun right there, right there. So anyhow, um, uh, Katie and, and Josh came with us actually on our very first prayer walk to Siloam. And we believe that God is going to plant a church in this area for many reasons. One of them is that we have a high concentration of our Persian community there. Um, uh, this is a jewelry district. It's also one of our red light districts. And so we go there every Saturday morning and we pray throughout that red light area. And it, it is literally one of the darkest places I've ever been in the world. Um, your eyes are so opened up to um, the evil of what's going on and the, the lack of identity and the lack of, of God. When you're in Bangkok, it is an, actually a very safe city, relatively safe city. You feel very safe there, but you do feel the spiritual warfare on a constant basis. And so when you're walking the streets, uh, we've been having, actually, there's a police station in the front of every red light district. Um, but they're not there to protect uh, you. They're there to protect the business that's going on there. And so we literally have police officers taking pictures of us and videotaping us and really wanting to make sure that we're not doing anything that um, will disturb their business or anything like that. But we walk and we pray and we take a team, a young team, every Saturday morning. And whenever missions teams come, we take them with us as well. There's about 20 of us that go out into the red light area. Actually, Monica has gone with us quite a few times. And um, so we've been praying that God would establish a church in this area that we can plant. And we're building up the people right now so that we can launch this church. But not just a Persian church community as well, but we want to, to establish a red zone church, which is a red zone church that teaches English to the red light area, but also is a, 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 a church for them to congregate and to come. So we've been doing this for the last, since October, we've been praying throughout that area and uh, just believing. So we took a team to really just spiritually map that, and it was so awesome to have Katie and Josh be a part of that as well. So we're seeing God move in these areas. Matter of fact, if you go to the next slide, um, I want to show you that this is a picture, actually, this is not a stock photo. This is a picture of one of our red light districts. And there you can see that there's just hundreds of people there. Um, so we have the sealed ministry that many of you guys have um, poured into as well um, here in, in Arizona as well. 
Sealed Ministry started in 2008, and it's specifically to reclaim, restore, value, and love those who are trapped in sex trafficking. And so we're wanting to establish these English-speaking groups as well as churches. Um, we're utilizing the form of English because English is very important to them right now to, for their economy to be um, established there in Thailand. They're a little bit behind economically. So um, in order for them to be at the same level as other countries, they need everybody to learn English. So we're capitalizing on that as we're teaching the girls English. And we're establishing a thing called Scars to Stars, which is a program of mentoring and sponsorship of women that are coming out of the red light district. We're going to be teaching them how to do a resume, dress for success, how to be an entrepreneur, um, also just to be able to how to interview in a job. Um, so we're, we're developing that program right now, and we are launching our first red light church and English uh, speaking camp in 2020, January, and we're really, really excited about that. Yeah. And also on your seats, you notice this. Um, I put this on your uh, seat when you came in. And I, I know realistically that you guys probably aren't going to be coming to Bangkok, Thailand in October. But I asked Katie um, when we met on Friday if it would be okay if I handed you guys all of these flyers. Um, because I know you might not be able to come. But you know that if you pray, your prayers go across the borders. And so I'm going to ask you to pray and to intercede for the sealed conference that we have coming up. It's called Brand New. It's going to be bringing in several different countries. We have people from Laos. We have people from um, Kolkata, uh, Myanmar, uh, Indonesia, Malaysia, that are all coming together. And we're going to have a celebration and a like minds of resourcing each other and realizing that we can do this. We can make a difference in this country. But then on our very last day of the conference, we're going to the streets. I call it getting our hands dirty. And we're going to go to the streets, and we're going to be handing out. And thank you for those who have donated to this as well. We're handing out these little uh, lipstick cases that have a red lipstick inside. I actually had somebody get very mad at me, like, why would you give the people in the red light district red lipstick because that just, like, promotes their business? And I said, well, let me tell you why. Because inside this little case is not just a red lipstick, which they want. It's what they want. We, we give people what they want, right? Because what they're going to find out is what they really need. If I give them something that they don't want, they, they, don't, they won't even let the door be open in their life. So we have these cute little cases that we're sticking this red, light, red lipstick inside. There's a card inside, and in that card, it's in Thai and English, and it's a hotline to be able to call us at any time so that they can be rescued and restored, valued and loved, and they can be introduced into Jesus Christ. So we use every form we can to reach this community, amen? And so we're going to the streets. We're going to bring the ladies in and the lady boys in, and we're going to be doing a fashion show. We're going to treat them as our VIPs that day. We're believing God to do amazing things. So if you would pray for us, we have some really amazing speakers that are going to be coming and being a part. But then along with that, we had, um, a matter of fact, could you show that, that little clip on the sealed? I'll give you a head start on that.
also be praying for the brand new conference that's coming up. We also have tagging on with it. God has just really put on my heart that if we don't reach the men and we don't build men of character, then we're really not going to the root of the issue. So we have a men's brave rally that is following the women's conference that Saturday. And so if you guys would pray for that, that would be awesome. Thank you. Thanks, Elaine. My closing verse as our worship team comes is out of Exodus chapter 14, verse 18. I was thinking about, you know, how do I, how do we end this service and what can I leave with you today other than, you know, I appreciate your rejoicing with us of what God is doing um, in the ministry of Bangkok. But I, I want to be very vulnerable with you this morning in my first month there after I hit the ground and and uh, we got in on a Saturday afternoon, and I was preaching the next morning on Sunday. <laughs> and I felt so incredibly overwhelmed. And um, almost like I'm thinking, is this what it's like to have a panic attack? Because I'm, I hadn't had a pastor for two years. And I was thinking, oh, this needs to be restructured. I need to raise up leaders here and this and this and this. And, and I'm like, Lord, I don't even know where to start. I, I felt completely overwhelmed. And I, and I have to be honest with you, after being a pastoring for 25 years, I felt, I was saying to the Lord, God, I feel so inadequate and unqualified to take this on. And I, it was one of those God moments where it's like, I need a rhema. <laughs> I really need a rhema word from God. And I, I really want you to capture the importance of this for Banner Church here in Scottsdale. The Lord spoke to me just a very simple phrase that literally released me in my spirit to do this work. He said, Dana, if you give me all the glory, I'll grow the church. And it just, it so resonated in my spirit. Just give me the glory. I'll grow the church. I'll do the work. In Exodus 14, 8, it says, when my glory is displayed through them, that's us. All Egypt will see my glory, and they will know that I am the Lord. And that's exactly what happened. I felt like the children of this chapter, the children of Israel, are sandwiched in between Pharaoh's army behind them and the Red Sea in front of them. Have you ever been in a situation like that? I can't go back. I can't go forward. And it's like I've got an enemy pursuing me on the backside, but I got a barrier in front of me. I don't know what to do. I don't know where to go. And if there was ever a sense of feeling overwhelmed, even by unbelief and doubt and fear, it was the children of Israel that stood there at the edge of the Red Sea and Moses crying out to God, what are we going to do? But the Lord says in that chapter that he arranged this moment so that not only Pharaoh and his armies would see the glory of God when they would part that Red Sea, but that for generations to come, including this generation, this day, this Sunday morning, that you would know that the glory of the Lord is here in this place and he is still the God that will part the Red Sea and take us through those barriers and those obstacles of our life that there's nothing too difficult for him. He is the God of the impossible. Amen. And I want to remind you of that here this morning. Our theme for 2019 is impossible is possible. 
Just those three words, impossible is possible. We've been preaching that. We've been praying that. We've been believing that impossible is possible. And when the Lord spoke to me back in October, just give me all the glory. And I'll do the work. I'll grow the church. And in your lives personally here this morning, I can say to you that as you just get up in the morning and say, this is the day that the Lord has made. And give Him the glory. I'm going to rejoice and be glad in it. Just that alone, that prayer, that verse, and that heartfelt belief and, and what you're saying of that, the glory of God. He will build your life. He will build your ministry. He will build your future. And that's our God. That's what God does. And I'd like to ask you to stand with me this morning before Pastor Josh comes and closes us. And I, I think that this could be a powerful moment for many that are here this morning as we lift our hands and begin to give him the glory for what he's done in this church in Scottsdale, what he's doing in Bangkok, what he's doing in your family, in your life. And as you do that, God's going to grow your future. He's going to grow your life and your situation. Amen. Let's do that as Pastor Josh comes.